Welcome. This episode of Inside the Genome is a recent recording of Myriad Oncology Live, a webinar hosted by me, Dr. Thomas Slavin, Chief Medical Officer for Myriad Genetics. The opinions and views expressed in this recording do not necessarily represent those of Myriad Genetics or its affiliates. To participate in a future recording, please visit Myriad Live for a list of dates, times, and subjects. I look forward to exploring the world of genetics with you all. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Myriad Live. Uh, so excited to have everyone here. So we have a good audience. We also have a special guest. Um, we have two special guests, I should say. Um, but uh, first, a little housekeeping. Um, so if this is your first time to Myriad Live, what is it? Well, it is uh, just a uh, every other week, it used to be weekly, but uh, it's hard to do a weekly webinar series on a new topic every week. So we're doing it every other week or so, um, trying to at least do two a month. That's the goal. So, uh, and we do take some down, but we just uh, had uh, March hot topics in prenatal genetics. Uh, you can go to the uh, Myriad Live website if you just Google Myriad Live, and uh, you'll be able to find all the upcoming uh, talks. Um, today we're doing Let's Talk Advanced Practice Provider Genetics Practice Education and Certification, so it'll be exciting. And then uh, we have at the end of April, uh, Spring Oncology Conference Review. We have all these great conferences. Wouldn't you want to learn what's going on? If so, come join us. Uh, we uh, In May, uh, it's Mental Health Month, so we're going to um, get into mental health genomics. And then we're building out a few more right now um, in the works uh, end of May and June. So those will be up uh, pretty soon. And then, um, you know, if you have uh, not been here before, because uh, I, I say this pretty much every time, but if you haven't <laughs> been here before, these do all reside um, on a podcast. So this is the Inside the Genome podcast. Uh, we put them all up here and uh, anything that says Myriad Live, um, you know, we do leave it. So these are recorded. Uh, we do encourage people to ask questions, uh, though. I mean, so if, if uh, you know, this is a pretty laid back format. So um, if you have any questions, you know, please uh, chime in, uh, ask whatever you want. Uh, we do keep them theme based. I mean, today is on uh, advanced practice provider uh, genetics training. But, um, you know, if you have a question about this particular gene or something and, and uh, you know, you, you have to ask it, feel free and we'll make sure we answer to the best that we can. Um, also, um, send any chats uh, if you prefer to not unmute yourself um, and you just want to uh, send a chat question that can get read. Uh, you can send those to Shelly, who is on. Thank you, Shelly. So Shelly Cummings, uh, who uh, heads our oncology uh, medical affairs. So she's on and uh, we'll make sure that uh, that gets addressed. Um, and yeah, so we've been putting up, uh, you know, a lot of content, anything that doesn't say Myriad Live on the podcast, uh, like this recent one with Allison D. Pasquale that was posted. These are just me sitting down with somebody uh, like Allison, and uh, uh, we're just, you know, kind of bantering about something with genetics, you know, in that case, it was, you know, how she, uh, you know, her genetics training, um, and then um, and then how she incorporated genetics into just routine um, uh, care in her breast cancer practice. Um, so thank you there. And, uh, you know, just to introduce our special guest today. So I, I said we have two special guests. So we have Edie Smith, uh, who uh, Edie is a medical science liaison for Myriad. Uh, I have known her for a long time, uh, well before I started at this role uh, through our City of Hope course. She 
is one of the most passionate people I've ever met in genetics education. Uh, so she's uh, joining us. Uh, and then we also have, and are privileged to have, Tina Marie Bauman. So, and I have not met you formally, uh, Tina Marie, but uh, you know, very excited to talk to you today, learn learn a little bit more about you and uh, you know your background and everything. Um, Edie, anything you want to add? Sure, sure. So I am just super excited to introduce Tina Marie to all of you. She is a nurse practitioner like myself. Um, she is also board certified in genetics as an advanced practice nurse like myself. There's a, not really a whole lot of us out there, a handful of us that carry that credential. Um, Tina Marie is the system director for nursing clinical genetics program for Amita Health in Chicago, Illinois. And who better to have on this particular call to do a kind of a Q&A with Dr. Slavin on what, what is uh, advanced practice provider, a uh, genetics practice, what does it look like? How, how, mm -hmm. how did she get there? Um, how did she gain that expertise? Uh, what challenges has she faced? What does her practice look like? Um, how does she educate others? What credentialing opportunities are there for nurses and non-genetics professionals in the way of genetics? So it's going to be a really fantastic hour and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, thank you for helping to coordinate. Um, yeah, so very excited. So I think, Tina Marie, I mean, uh, probably want to start first with just, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to tell everyone a little bit about, um, you know, Edie did a, a nice intro, but, you know, what you do at Amita Health, how you got into, uh, you know, cancer risk assessment. Yeah, good morning. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I've watched many of your live webinars, so it's so great to be here. <laughs> Thank so you. So I'm, I'm an advanced practice nurse. I've been um, involved with genetics since Fort credentials since 2004. So interesting. I have a dual role. I am a clinician. I do see genetics throughout the day consults, which I, I love. I can't imagine not doing a full clinic, but I also have, I also am a director. So I have a team of five advanced practice nurses, amazing team, which are very passionate, like EDI are about providing genetics, taking, taking care of folks. It, interesting how we got involved. It's interesting that Mary's doing this webinar, but uh, back in 2000, which I'm dating myself, we had a married rep come to an office. Dr. Maganini and I did uh, genetics together. We were doing, he's a breast surgeon. He was doing general surgery at that time. I was his nurse navigator and a rep came in and talked about doing BRCA one and two. That's what was available back in 2000. And then after the rep left, he said, what do you think? Do you want to do this? We? I said, we could do this. So we, that's how we got started. And Dr. Maganini, Robert Maganini, he's, he's an amazing breast surgeon. He's a champion mm -hmm. for genetics, as you know, he's, he was back then. He still is today. He's very supportive of our program and very offers genetic uh, risk assessment to all his patients. So very excited, but that's how we got started. And in terms, we were educated. We were educated by the married rep and the uh, genetic counselor, Shelly Cummings, who's on here was one of my mentors and uh, it's incredible. That's oh, funny. Yeah. And Amy Walter, and they were so instrumental in, in training us and teaching us and getting us started. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And, and yeah, Dr. Uh, Maganini, I mean, we've, uh, you know, been having a few meetings here and then uh, here and there with him over the last year. So yeah, he's, he's still uh, definitely an advocate. That's for sure. Yeah. That's great. Strong advocate. He's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, so this, you know, you had, you had probably a little bit of education to, to, you know, kind of 
get the lay of the the land but you know what um, what other things have you done over the years to really um you know feel like you probably secure a really good knowledge base around uh, genetics yeah so um you know now there's formal programs which Edie and i could talk about back then i had a piece of back piece it together there's a fox chase program mm -hmm. you know i'm i don't know if anybody on this call attended it but in 2005 i attended a formal fox chase program and it was a lecture program and a simulation. It was a very intense program. Genetic counselors, advanced practice nurses taught the program. Um, so great program. You know, we received a certificate for attending. It was a great foundation. Also attended some uh, classes and online coursework at Emory. They, and so I had to piece it all together. ASCO, if you, you're so young, Dr. Slavin, you don't remember, but ASCO had a genetics course. So I took yeah. the genetics course, you know, so we had to do all this, like you had to seek it out, whatever you could find and whatever. Myriad back in the day, and I know um, Shelly may remember this, Vanessa who's on the phone, who's, who's amazing, who's our rep, but Myriad actually had formal education programs. So they actually would have read these auditoriums. We've had formal education, genetic counselor would come in. We actually had pedigree drawing classes. So all this together is how I, I just, I kept seeking out education programs. Yeah, and I, I have not um, heard of the Fox Chase program. Is that still going? I don't know no. if anyone knows. No. Unfortunately not. And it, I'm actually on a, on a board for credentialing nurses and genetics. And, you know, soon I talk about it. I still have the picture of the group picture and it was an amazing program, but no, that's no longer mm -hmm. available. Yeah, and the, the ASCO one you mentioned, um, I mean, I know there was an original uh, kind of webinar uh, yes. one. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. They, we, that was revised about um, probably three or four years ago. Um, and uh, it's pretty good content. I mean, it's yes. like, you know, 10 or 12 off the top of my head, uh, 15 minute modules. Um, yeah, I missed the first one, but I did get pulled into the second one. So I gave uh, I give the I think the uh, intro lecture like genetics 101 is as yeah. uh, a lecture of mine is assuming they still have it. I haven't looked in like last year, but um, that that's a good course for sure. If people are just looking, um, you know, to, to, you know, because you could probably do it all in like three to six hours uh, if needed. Before yeah. the before the modules, they had the ASCO train the trainers. So mm -hmm. you would come to big hotels in Chicago, big conference room with the goal of training these individuals who had the interest and they would go back to their facilities and train others. So that was the kind of the goal of the early onset of the ASCO. Yeah, yeah. And I would yeah, add- it's interesting to see how things evolve. Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Dr. Oh, no, that was it. Yeah. Oh, just going to say, you know, something Tina Marie said, it, it's so true. Those of us that were um, kind of our introduction to genetics, if you will, as a uh, non-genetics professional, as a, a, a advanced practice provider, or even physicians back in the, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s, mid 2000s, there weren't a whole lot of uh, formal education programs in uh, in cancer genetics. And we, I did the same thing as Tina Marie. I, I, I had to piece this thing together. I sought out mentors. Um, I sought out 
you know, any kind of CEU or continuing articles, conferences like NCBC, they had like a high risk post conference, then I would attend that. And then obviously, we have the City of Hope intensive course now, which is phenomenal. It's been in, in, the, it's been available for non-genetics professionals to be trained in cancer genetics for over 20 years. So they mm -hmm. were really um, uh, kind of the pioneers. And that is one of the most robust and uh, well-attended and sought out courses for uh, providers today. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, yeah. I mean, many of us probably on this call have taken that course or been involved in it in some way, shape or form. So no, and it's, still going strong. And, um, you know, um, you know, I know Kathy Blazer is really uh, thinking about ways to continue to innovate it. They've been letting more people in every year, which has been great, uh, you know, bringing in virtual options, which, um, uh, you know, keep improving uh, the access to, to people to be able to take it. So that's, that's a really good one. I mean, what about, um, what are some of the other things out there? I know, Edie, you, you're working a lot with uh, NCBC. Yeah, so uh, there are so many options um, today and they just keep becoming more and more available um, through different professional organizations. So the National Consortium of Breast Centers has a phenomenal pre and post conference session at their conference every year um, geared toward high risk. Plus they have high risk cancer genetics woven throughout the main conference. And then Oncology Nursing Society has a cancer genetics 101 course and they have that content woven out um, throughout their conferences. Now, the newest uh, opportunity for more primary care um, advanced practice nurses and providers is through the Nurse Practitioners in Women's Health. Last year, they had their very first genetics course um, that offered CEUs, and this year, they're going to have their second um, genetics course. It includes cancer genetics, but Women's health providers also do other types of genetic care like prenatal carrier screening. Um, and that is woven throughout that course as well. So um, I think even ASBS, they have opportunities. ACOG has a genetics course for OBGYN physicians. And those are just off the top of my head, but those are mm -hmm. more you know, formalized courses that um, depending on what your specialty is, you can kind of tap into whatever best fits your needs and your patient's needs. Yeah. And I know um, Mayo um, is releasing new content uh, this year for a genetics a course. New course, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really extensive. I, at least the material I was looking at said that forty hours CME. So I mean, it's it's very yeah, detailed and goes into management toward, pretty toward strongly. Mostly yeah. focused on breast. I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, Stanford. I mean, does anyone on this call? I mean, know about the Stanford program? I, I do hear about it uh, from time to time. And Holly, I see Holly on. If if you want to elaborate a little bit on that Mayo course, uh, since you were, uh, you know, part of the, yeah, I don't the foundation I don't know how to of put it. My hand down. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Can you hear me? I think it, I think it goes away at, at some point. <laughs> oh, okay. All <laughs> I'm right. Not sure. All right. Yeah. So Sandy Pruthi and I uh, put together a a very extensive medical breast program training program that includes some of genetics, but it, the focus is really more on on either enhancing or or you know creating a role in high risk breast care, and mm -hmm. it I think it's. 10 sections with multiple lectures yeah, and four live stream sessions. So we've had a lot of fun with it. My hand will just remain permanently raised. <laughs> I'll raise my other hand if I have an actual question. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. So thank you. Yeah, no, we're really excited. We have 48 people enrolled right now. You can enroll like on a rolling basis, like you can enroll up till the, the end of the year. Oh, that's great. And then it's, and then everything. it's just, yeah, then it's just up to you to watch things at your own pace. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You watch it at your own pace and you even watch the live stream things if you happen to have missed those. So if people who feel like they miss the deadline, there's a rolling, rolling entry. So yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone on the line knows also about the Stanford course. Um, I, I've definitely heard things over time about it, I but I uh, can't say I know anyone it. that has taken it. Yeah. I haven't and, taken it, but I have perused the site. And so it looks like it's there's different modules you can uh, you can take everything from pharmacogenetics to you know it's very broad genetic options and certainly cancer genetics is in there and you do have the opportunity to gain a certificate of completion um, by you know attending a certain number of modules that's all I know about that course it's all virtual it's all online and it's uh, like I said web based modular format. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems like a pretty neat opportunity, but it's not as focused as what Dr. Peterson um, just shared about the Mayo program being very high risk breast specific. And then City of Hope is very much cancer genetics specific. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know, it doesn't appear that the Stanford course is really um, honed in on one particular area. It's got lots of really cool options um, and obviously an opportunity to get a certificate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know a nurse in Texas who took the Stanford course and I got the impression you do get that certificate. It's much more academic, genetically, less practical for especially, she was in a breast center for what she was really looking for in a course. Um, but I think it gave her some good foundation for when she took the City of Hope course later. And when she took the GCRA course, I think it kind of helped her with some of the genetics concepts. But as far as practically speaking, I think a lot of what the providers are looking for here, it just wasn't the right fit as far as if that's all she did. It wouldn't have been enough. Yeah, no. Thanks, Dominique. <laughs> Holly, there's a question in the chat, and um, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you because you will. What is the cost of the Mayo Clinic course? I thought it was a right around maybe thirty nine hundred. Yeah, 4, it's. I think it's four. I think it's four thousand, and it's a six month experience with I think about forty lectures and four live stream sessions, and um, it also. Um, you know, you can you can take it at any at any point. There was something else. Oh, forty eight point five CME hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, great. I remember the, for a couple of years. The City of Hope course. Uh, when I did that, when I got a hundred nine hour CME certificate. Yeah. <laughs> so I was set for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Anything else from uh, that people have seen out there as we're we're talking through all the different options. I mean, but these are great uh, options and I'm glad we're, uh, you know, recording this as well. So uh, people can go back and, and listen to the different opportunities that exist out there because they are growing really fast. I mean, probably a lot of people didn't know about the Mayo course, for instance. And, uh, you know, I didn't know about the Fox Chase course, but that you know, sounds like it doesn't exist anymore right now. No. Yeah. And what, what kind of, I mean, for, for, you know, um, Tina Marie, I mean, what 
what kind of credentials do you feel like have helped you? I mean, you know, cause we're talking about all these different options for courses, but would you say that there's, uh, you know, I noticed that you, you know, you have a title of advanced genetic nurse. Um, was that from one particular, uh, certificate that you obtained or, uh, you know, where you bestowed that title from, from someone? Yeah. So <laughs> that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. So I started out with APNG. So ISONG, which is an International Society of Genetic, Nurses and Genetics, they had a separate credentialing uh, committee, which is the GNCC. So it was separate. So it, unbiased, somebody actually grading your portfolio. And I was the 23rd advanced practice nurse in the world that passed that back in 2004. It was a very difficult, I'm going to be honest with you, and you know, not to scare anybody off, it was, it was difficult. Because don't forget, I didn't have a a, a formal education program. I had to piece it all together and prove my confidence. Mm -hmm. And that so was through ISONG, you said, just for clarity. This was ISONG, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So and that, that ISONG, still is in full effect right now. So ISONG did, uh, stopped doing the credentialing with the GNCC. Then it went to um, ANCC. So that became a mm -hmm. board certification. That's advanced genetic nurse board certification. So that is now a board certification. And um, from what I'm understanding, there wasn't a lot of interest or the pass rate wasn't as high as they, they felt it, it, it should be. The ANCC only allows renewals now. They are not doing any new. So that, uh, that board certification is no longer, uh, unfortunately, no longer available. So I am part of a board, which is the nurse portfolio, the NPCC, which is now credentialing nurses and genetics. So I, I'm very passionate about it. I think it's very important. And we are doing that we have a separate uh, um, credentialing team, um, separate than the board that reviews portfolios and provides credentialing. And that's the, and I have that as well. So the, you know, it's the advanced clinical genomic nurse, the ACGN. So that now that's, that took the place of the board certification. Yeah. And what, when you say review portfolio, I mean, what, um, can you just walk through that, that course a little bit? Yeah, so you have to meet the requirements. You have to have, to have so many hours in, in genetics, clinical application. You have to actually show your competence. We had to do four case studies. You had to provide a log, education. So there's a, a whole litany of uh, items that you had to complete and submit for this portfolio, and then it gets graded. So if you can imagine walking through a case, how we talk about it, we had to write it all out. So from start to finish, you know, your risk assessment, your pedigree, your follow-up care, all those had to be in there. So the portfolio, when I completed it, was it was in a huge box for four cases. It was enormous because you had, a, you had to write out everything you did with that and all the multidisciplinary uh, people that were involved. So, so you have to do the four case studies. So still a portfolio, you still have to mm -hmm. prove your competence in it and they're graded. And then you do receive your credentialing through the NPCC. So the, um, to elaborate on what Tina Marie said, thank you, Tina Marie, that was a great summary. So there are two opportunities to gain a, certifi a certification or a credential in genetics for non-genetic professionals right now in the US. One of them is through the Nurse Portfolio Credentialing Commission, which Tina Marie just explained. That is kind of the credentialing arm of ISONG, the International Society of Nurses in Genetics. So um, many uh, advanced practice providers and uh, on this call will kind of understand the whole, you know, credentialing body 
that's how we all gain our national certification as NPs. Mm -hmm. There's a credentialing body that um, that that provides the opportunity for that. So this is the credentialing body for ISONG that provides the opportunity for nurses that are already practicing in genetics that have a certain level of expertise to prove that they have that expertise. And so there is a group of professional portfolio reviewers who are all genetics experts themselves that review these portfolios and determine if the applicant has met the criteria to have to receive the credential. Um, I was one of the portfolio reviewers for the ANCC that Tina Marie um, talked about. And she's right, it's a rigorous process. You are proving to this group of uh, genetic nurse experts who are these portfolio reviewers for the group that I, that I deserve to have this credential because I've met these requirements. Thus, Tina Marie's explanation of this, you know, box of this, you know, all this detail and cases. And it's not that it's daunting or can't be done. It's just that it is a bit of a process to put together a professional portfolio to show that you have this expertise. Now, the National Consortium of Breast Centers, on the other hand, they have an opportunity to gain a um, certification in cancer genetics. It's the Cancer Genetic Risk Assessment Certification or CGRA. That's through examination. Now, so we have one portfolio, professional portfolio opportunity through NPCC, and then we have a uh, certification opportunity through NCBC through exam. Mm. Again, you have to meet criteria. You have to have so many you know, years of experience. Um, you have to have said so many CEUs. Uh, come in with knowledge because you're sitting down for an exam and you're basically showing that you have the knowledge to be awarded the certification. So those are the two opportunities available in the U.S. today. No, that's really helpful, Edie. I mean, and, you know, if I'm a new APP out there, I mean, how do you sort through all this or, you know, do, are some, do some give any ability to to bill, for instance, or is there any benefit to one over the other in, in anyone's minds? I mean, where do you, where do you start, I guess, is, is coming yeah, into it so and say, I, I have an interest in genetics and I want to get going. You know, what would you recommend to people? So I'll start, Edie, please chime in. So, you know, you want, you always want professional recognition, right? You want to you know, you recognize that you're competent and I, I think credentialing is so important. It's also important for payers. Cigna requires that you have a credential like that. Um, you know, we're, we're talking to them about updating because, you know, it's no longer the APNG. Now it's the advanced genetic nurse BC and, 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 and the others. So you want to do that. You also, for our COC and, and APBC, they require that you really have this, these credentialing behind you. There's, you know, there's, it's great to be practicing and we all have to start somewhere and we all have to train, but you want to have that credentialing behind you to, to show that you're for professional recognition and for accreditation and payers. Edie, you want to add to that? Yeah, I agree with all that completely. I think there is, you know, there's certainly something to be said for um, being recognized by your peers um, in, your, in your multidisciplinary team that you actually have uh, a certain expertise in this. So professional recognition is a piece of this as well. And most certainly accrediting bodies, payers, even institutions are requiring, if you're going to be providing a genetic cancer risk assessment, that um, you have uh, a certain 
um, you've met a certain bar. And that's what this credential through NPCC or NCBC um, offers. Uh, these are not easy things to obtain. And you have to meet a, a certain level of expertise to gain those credentials. And it means something. So the credential and the certification, they mean something. They mean something professionally, as well as um, with the ability to see certain patients or to uh, meet a requirement by an accrediting body. Holly, were you going to jump in? I just wanted to know, do you have any idea how many of you there are in the country, just out of curiosity? Tina Marie, um, do you know through, gosh, GNCC, then ANCC, now NPCC, that's all the kind of the portfolio base. Do you have any idea how many nurses nurse practitioners, advanced practice providers have obtained that particular portfolio-based credential and maintained it? Yeah, unfortunately I don't. And, and this, this actually came up in one of our board meetings because the ANCC is no longer, they're only doing um, renewals. renewals. Um, you know, obviously uh, GNCC stock. And then we just started, as, as you know, this is, a, this is a newer process for the NPCC. And some, from what I'm understanding is some people, you know, they, they retired out, they stopped. So there's no formal uh, actual database that we know exactly how many people have it. And that is something that we're searching for as well. Yeah, I would say now on NCBC's side, we have over a hundred people who have sat for that exam. Yes. Um, and um, how many as, passed? <laughs> well, um, we're running about an 80% pass okay. rate. I was just um, curious. Yeah, That's so a hard have, test. That's right a really now, hard test. there are um, 88 uh, people that are current that currently hold the GCRA uh, certification that I'm aware of through NCBC. We just had um, uh, a number of people sit for the exam at the conference just two weeks ago. I don't think we have uh, scores on those yet but they announced at the conference that 88 people had currently been. That's, that's really good. Yeah. 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 We, and and oh, ahead, oh, I'm sorry. Just Edie, I mean, I think people have to realize that this is, you know, it's all about an expertise, right? An expert level and showing and that, you know, genetics is, is amazing. If it was easy, everybody would have this credential. So you have to put the, you have to be invested. You have to, you have to invest in yourself. You have to seek out education and, and be prepared for this. You can't think I'm going to do this portfolio overnight or take the exam without any, any training or, or self-study. I would say too that the um, NPCC opportunity through professional portfolio is only available for nurses. Bachelor's repaired nurses to gain one certain type of credential and then advanced practice nurses. That is a nursing specific genetics opportunity. And it is a broad genetics opportunity, meaning you could be a, a pediatric genetic specialist or cardiac or metabolic or adult or cancer or prenatal. Um, you can apply for that um, credential in, in any genetic specialty. Through NCBC, it is specific to cancer risk assessment and um, it is available for uh, a broader group of healthcare providers, physicians, physician assistants, advanced practice nurses, nurse navigators, and those that have uh, even outside of those, uh, you know, healthcare provider credentials that have gained an expertise that want to sit for the exam. Yeah, 
And that's great if you want to specialize and you only do cancer. When I did my portfolio, I had to do four separate cases. They could not overlap. You couldn't do four breast cancer or four colon. So I had to do four separate cases. And, um, you know, you had to be you had to be competent in all areas. So you have to look at what what is best for your for your own practice and, you know, where you're if you want to be into cancer genetics or if you want to do all genetics. So I think everybody has to look at what's what's best for their practice. I've had I've had people want to gain both for different reasons and they've carried both credentials. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I see some questions in the chat. Maybe we could tackle some some of these. And Shelly, I don't know if you have anything on your radar coming in on the private side. Um, no, I think um, let's go in the order of the chat. Um, there's a question um, from uh, a physician starting at his neurogenetics um, program in the UK and setting up a nurse-led clinic for complex patients with complex epilepsy and neuromuscular disorders. And the question is multi, three questions. Is there a course or a module for neurogenetics in any of these programs that you're um, discussing? Um, then there was a question, another question about how does an APN differ from a genetic counselor? He finds that there's significant overlap between the two and therefore collaboration can be tricky. Um, Tina Marie can definitely speak to that. Um, and our genetic APNs from the US focus on diagnostics or treatment, intervention and management. So those are the three buckets of questions. So in terms of motor neuron disease, I don't, I'm not aware of any formal program. I mean, I try to stay in my lane. I did collaborate with a genetic counselor recently in a very complex motor neuron uh, uh, case. Um, and that'll kind of tie over to genetic counselors and advanced practice nurses. I think it's always good to stay, stay in your lane. I think in, in our program, and, and I have five APNs that I, that I could talk about that. You know, there's, it, genetics is difficult. We had physicians open for two years. And I could not get a genetic counselor in our program. I would love to have a genetic counselor in terms of our cancer genetics. So I had to be creative and train advanced practice nurses in genetics. And I have a great team. But I have to tell you that we do collaborate with genetic counselors. I'm very fortunate to collaborate with a local genetic counselor, Scott Wiseman, who's amazing, who, who is very much respects our role. We respect his role and we do refer back and forth. I, I utilize uh, genetic counselors within our incension, Stephanie Cohen and uh, Don Nixon that we do collaborate. So I think it's important to know, know your limitations, know what you don't, you know, understand if you're, if this is, you got to do a service and not a disservice, learn to collaborate and learn to refer. And so I did work with a case with this neuron. I do not know of any formal program, maybe someone else can answer, but I did work with the team of genetic counselors on this case. And it was great because we were able to work together. It was, I worked with some genetic counselors in the city they, you know, I was able to, I was well read on it and we worked together and we were able to get this patient taken care of. Does um, anyone else have, know anything about a formal program in, in uh, neurodiagnostics? I don't know if Stanford has it, but that is exactly where I'd probably go first is look at the Stanford um, uh, website and on their genetics because they had such a broad array. And I just want to piggyback on what Tina Marie said collaboration is key. None of us practice 
in isolation. This is a multidisciplinary team approach. It always has been, it always will be, where we have uh, geneticists, genetic counselors, along with oncologists and primary care doctors and nurse practitioners and a whole team of people. We all have our expertise, but none of us um, individually are as good as we are collectively. So um, I love that about the City of Hope course and the other courses that are taught that uh, really push the importance of collaborative care. And the only thing I'll add to this is, you know, general genetic counselors do get training in neurogenetics. Um, mm -hmm. And so that could be, you know, a resource um, you know, if you're, you're looking to hire or something and you're, you're looking for people that can help fill out that specialty with some uh, training already. I mean, clearly that's a, it, yeah, it's, it's a whole own field uh, with, with a lot of complexities, but. Yeah. I would yeah. add one more and thing. Even, Go ahead, I was, I was just going to say, even, um, you know, there are many genetic counselors who have specialized in, in specific mm -hmm. areas. So neurogenetics, cancer, um, you know, the, um, ophthalmology. And so they have, you eventually have to do go through the same things that many of us did very early on is self-train, seek out the resources. So it could be something similar that uh, your APNs need to do in the UK is kind of seek out experts that they can shadow and, and learn from. The one other thing that I was going to ask that is of all of these programs and training, um, what would be the best one for somebody just starting out? Um, who really needs the basics to move forward because some of them are a little bit more advanced. Um, and I'm curious on your opinions. Um, my opinion on that is something like the nurse practitioners and women's health that's genetics course because that's really geared toward primary care. Um, uh, you know, practitioners, uh, Holly's nodding because she's on the faculty in that course and just absolutely stellar. Um, and her lectures are just absolutely amazing for that group of, again, not seasoned genetic professionals or working in oncology. Um, I also think um, Oncology Nursing Society, they have a Cancer Genetics 101. There's uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, good basic um, opportunities there. ACOG, same thing, OBGYN focused course. Um, that would be good. Uh, I want to just touch on one thing that Shelly, uh, you brought up. What is the difference between genetic counselors and uh, those uh, of us that have a credential or a board certification in genetics? There's a huge difference. Yeah, genetic counselors, that is a degree. They're sitting for a national board to be able to use that title. Nobody can hold themselves out as a genetic counselor, except a genetic counselor who has taken their boards and has the, the ability and the right and you know the uh, licensure even to, to call themselves that. Now, what is offered to other professionals outside of genetic counselors and geneticists is the ability to gain a certification, a credential. You can put those initials behind your name, but your uh, you know your your base knowledge is what you're coming in with MD NP nursing uh, what have you and you have an expertise that you've gained through that professional route in genetics so there's there's a big difference and um, nobody's uh, claiming to be a genetic counselor um, nor should they mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'd like to interject like I think it's very important that sometimes you know I've been doing this long enough that there you hear you hear the genetic counselor, genetic counselor. And it's important to make sure that you're always correcting and saying, no, I'm, I'm an advanced practice nurse in genetics. 
and I'm not a genetic counselor. I, we work, I, I think both roles are so important and both very amazing, very intelligent and clearly very important to uh, individually. So I think it's very important to know the difference between a genetic counselor and advanced practice nurse doing genetics and that collaboration is key. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, what do people see as the difference in the practice? Um, I mean, any, anyone wanna chime in there? So Shelly, you and I have talked about this for years, probably like 10 years ago. And I have to tell you that interesting, nurse practitioners are very um, directive in our, in our approach. We can obviously diagnose, treat, manage, bill, you know, uh, you know, uh, genetic counselors can bill as well. But yeah, I feel like we're, you know, when we turn, when we talk about medical management, surgical management, we're very directive in our, in our approach versus some genetic counselors. Now, Shelly, I have to say, Shelly, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you, Shelly is probably as a genetic counselor is one of the most directive <laughs> of practitioners I think I've ever met as a genetic counselor. But that's, that's, I think, uh, um, an approach that there's a little bit of a difference. Shelly, you want to interject about that? No, I, I do agree. I think uh, the struggle that I've had professionally, just in a moment of transparency, is if somebody's coming in when I was seeing patients and is worried about their risk for breast cancer, but they smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, that's when my non-directiveness as training as a genetic counselor kind of goes out the window, uh, right or wrong. Um, but that is the tenet of um, genetic counseling training programs is you are providing the information that's going to fit into the life, life of that person. And they're going to take that information after you've informed them and use it the way they want. Um, and so that's the non-directiveness. I do feel like some of the programs have um, uh, pulled back a little bit on that, um, that message, but it is still very much patient-directed and not, I'm the white coat, this is what you need to do, this is how you need to uh, change your medical management. Um, and there are quite a few genetic counselors on this call. So um, I think it would be nice to hear their voices too. But yeah, I, I have my moments where I definitely slip out of my non-directive genetic counseling training. <laughs> I find that surprising, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, does anyone want to add? I think that um, one thing that you mentioned, TJ, is to try to try to find people to shadow or genetic counselors to shadow. I mean, I think that that one-on-one that -on -one personal experience can just be so invaluable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did that early on. I had the director of the genetic counseling program at the university hospital that I worked at take me under her wing. And, yeah. Uh, I learned yeah. directly from her. I sought that out. And that was, that was probably the best education I got um, out, you know, outside of just trying to seek out articles and conferences and learning on my own before I went to City of Hope. It was well, that and TJ's lectures, lest we forget. Yeah, yes, for amazing. sure. <laughs> uh, but I do, I, I agree with Holly. I mean, it's, it's, you know, sometimes thinking outside the box and yeah. um, seeking out people that have an expertise in this and um, learning from them. Yeah, so there's a chat from Ellie Franklin about, um, uh, sounds like you're waiting for the City of Hope uh, program because yes, that is on a, a set schedule. 
Um, I think it kicks off in October. So with the, um, and it is open right now for applications. Um, you know, any suggestions uh, while I'm waiting to, to brush up and get up to speed, I'm assuming. Any thoughts there from our esteemed well, panel? Yeah, so I, I guess I don't know if this, this hasn't been brought up, but I, I have to say, and not that Marriott is sponsoring this talk, I have to say my, the biggest, the best partnership I've had has been with Marriott. Marriott is, they have a, a genetics boot camp that is fabulous, you know, um, and provides those now to our, our new APNs. Um, your webinars are amazing. You know, we have Chris Friedman who just did a, a huge presentation um, with Vanessa and the amount of education to support along with the genetic counselors has been invaluable. I, I can't stress that enough about how much education and support has been provided and attending those foundation courses and then building, obviously you wanna take online courses and Jackson Laboratory has great, mm -hmm. and you wanna take all those, but those, you know, hereditary cancer 101, Lynch syndrome, breast, and piecing it all together is an amazing tool. It's, it's a great partnership. I, yeah. I have to say that. And my team who's on here will say that as well. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, no one reads books anymore, but has anyone seen any <laughs> actual, um, you know, I'm just trying to think if there's uh, any good resources there too, um, you know, that could be digestible. There've been some there's great articles um, and uh, CEU articles at that in some of the professional journals. I mean, I'm a nurse mm -hmm. practitioner, so I'm more familiar with the nurse practitioner literature, but Journal of Nurse Practitioners has a really excellent um, starting a genetic risk assessment uh, program for NPs. Uh, the PA um, Association's peer-reviewed journal is going to have one coming out soon on a genetic cancer risk assessment PA practice. Oh, I nice. think, you know, look at your professional journals. There is genetics cancer genetics and broad genetics content throughout. The International Society of Nurses and Genetics, and that's a great resource. Um, going back to that neurogenetics uh, uh, question, I would definitely look at ISONG, that's an international group, and you've got uh, broad genetics expertise from the membership there. Um, now, the uh, Tina Marie brings up a really good point about the, you know, the genetic counselors that work in industry and they are great resources at Myriad, the genetic counselors and the nurse practitioners, advanced practice nurses that are on our medical team have created a genetics handbook that has numerous opportunities to gain education and knowledge in genetics. Um, so that's, uh, you know, reach out to your regional medical specialists. They have that handbook and can share that with you. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I appreciate everyone putting all the links in, um in the chat. What I'll do is um, I'll, I'll see if we can at least get the links put in at the bottom of um, this when it goes up on the um, podcast, because these, these are really right. valuable uh, sources. And I just wanted to um, speak off of what Tina Marie said with um, myriad resources. You know, you have your regional medical specialists, your RMSs, um, like Edie said, who are genetics counselors or nurses or nurse practitioners in genetics. And we have see um, any approved courses, basics in oncology, genetics 101, you know, Ellie, that, that they can provide you or anyone else on the call, um, and then have other ones in different cancer focuses, depending on what your specialty is, um, colon and endometrial, breast, ovarian, 
Um, so we would be happy to, you know, work on setting those up with you all one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's a really good, um, you know, Shelly's question was kind of a, a basics. Um, and I think those are really good intros, you know, prior to City of Hope that, that you will like to have on your belt before doing any of those big courses. I also would love to hear back from people who are wanting to learn what they find useful. And I don't know whether they can contact Tina Marie or Edie or how we can figure that out, but maybe we could make a link at the bottom of the links as to what you found useful. Cause I, it is, it, you would just have to piece it together yourself. And, you know, that seems absurd. So it is a, it's just an exploding field. It should be better organized somehow, but let us know what, what you find helpful and, and what you didn't find helpful. That would, that would be great. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if our audience is obvious to our audience, but, um, you know, a lot of the people here talking like Holly and Edie, you know, myself, uh, others, you know, we, you know, have lectures on different, you know, throughout multiple of these courses, you know, to some degree, or help assist with the education content or planning for a lot of these. Um, so there is a lot of cross-pollination um, that, that's really interesting, you know, so they are, they're all the similar, crowd. but different. It's, it's, it's like the same <laughs> crowd, it seems like we're crossing over all the time. Yeah, yeah. I can offer a couple more podcast ideas. So in addition to Inside the Genome, and this might be good for anybody who wants to broaden your um, interest in genetics. So genetics and medicine um, from, I think that's sponsored by like ACMG, um, American College of Medical Genetics. They have a podcast. There's um, also CGA, um, the uh, colorectal group of the Americas. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. CGA has a, um, a podcast, and then there was one other one I was going to try to remember. But those are great, I think, for if you're just trying to, like I said, broaden or just getting in, or someone um, asked about kind of filling the gap before the course officially starts. Those might be great things, especially while you're traveling. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. There's because... another one called a uh, podcast called DNA Today. Yes. Um, that's uh, very interesting as well. I saw yeah, no, these a, are all great. Yeah. I saw a, a question or a comment in the chat talking about how do you maintain the credential or certification? Mm -hmm. So uh, I was going to ask that too. Yeah, yeah. Tina Marie, um, you can address NPCC, but I'll say with NCVC, it is it once you pass the exam, that is a lifelong uh, certification. However, it needs to be maintained. It needs to be maintained annually. Um, I think it's a certain number of CEUs annually, as well as kind of a renewal or maintenance fee, but you don't have to sit and take the exam again, but you absolutely need to maintain um, that credential through uh, appropriate CEU documentation. Yes. What about NPCC, Tina Marie? Yeah, you have to have, you know, you know, the minimum of the education credits, you know, the ANCC and and NPCC, it's, it's pretty aligned, but 75 continue education credits and you have to list them. You can't just say, yes, I did them. You have to list them. You have to make sure they're approved. Out of that 75, 25 have to be pharmacogenetic. You have to be have that pharmacology and they have to be approved pharmacology actual courses. So you have to make sure you have to be mindful. When is that renewal? 
did I do all my make sure that you're attending these conferences and doing online courses or workshops to get the appropriate. Also for ANCC, we have to do one out of eight, like a professional development, whether that's, you know, I do some precepting when before COVID or a, I'm part of a research study, I'm doing a genetics research study, something like that, or teaching a course or presentation, you have to show personal development as well. So it's, you have to be mindful of what is required to do your renewal. It's not great that you passed, but this is an ongoing lifelong learning. And that is consistent with genetics. I mean, goodness gracious, mm -hmm. genetics is moving so fast. You have to maintain yeah. your uh, expertise, if you will. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, when uh, Dean Marie, I mean, you know, you just spoke about building a program and, you know, did you seek out people? I mean, first of all, in your experience, are you are do you feel like, uh, you know, clearly you're passionate about genetics. I mean, do you, do you feel like that's still the momentum in this country? It's, it's someone at a program that says, I'm passionate about this, or is it coming down almost from the, the um, you know, kind of uh, leadership service lines that, look, we need this certification, we need somebody to do genetics. Uh, and then, you know, once you start that nidus of a program, I mean, how are you recruiting people? Are you just trying to share your passion or are you uh, looking for specific individuals when you recruit them? Yes, those are good questions. So I think obviously I'm very passionate. I did start both genetics programs within our, our system. And now I, I, I actually am the system director of all of Chicago. So we do cover it. Our physicians are amazing. Our leadership really has ascension is amazing. And in terms of um, they do believe in genetics, they do promote us, they do allow us to, you know, um, share the practice within the whole Chicagoland area. Our doctors, are amazing. Like I said, Dr. Meganini, we have, you know, we have a number of doctors that continually um, seek out genetics for their patients and they'll call us and, and want that expertise. So we're very, very fortunate that we do have that shared passion within our system. Like I said, there is, Chicago is a very competitive market. It's difficult. Positions are open even to try to get an advanced practice nurse for a year, year, two years. So I had to train advanced practice nurses, but I, I can't stress enough that Obviously, advanced practice nurses, we have our education, we, you know, obviously we have passion, but it's a collaborative. I work within, work with genetic counselors within our system, within partnership with the laboratories and locally when to refer. I can't stress enough, both are amazing professions and very, genetic counselors are highly intelligent. So learn when to refer to them and make sure that you're referring appropriately. But together, building a program is incredible. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, when when do uh, people with, um, you know, on the call that are APPs with advanced genetics uh, credentials, I mean, when are you, uh, or how are you utilizing genetic counselors? Um, you know, specific cases, I mean, anything you want to discuss? For myself, anything out of my comfort zone. I mean, obviously I'm very strong clinically. I have, I have an advanced practice in oncology. That's all I've ever done. And then postgraduate, I did genetics early on. Um, I do have a pretty strong uh, oncology base, but anytime, you know, I, um, you know, we you know, do exome testing or neuro, like that neuro case, I actually worked with a team of genetic counselors and together we worked on this. So I think you have to really understand you want to do a service and not a disservice and genetic counselors are amazing, very bright individuals that will pick apart a case and really make sure that nothing's being, being missed. So mm -hmm. through either through your own collaboration or through the genetic counselors with the lab, you always want to run complex cases through 
to make sure that nothing's being missed. Yeah. We also have geneticists. Yes, geneticists. <laughs> of course. We're, we're, we're a, a limited breed, but we're out there. Very we're limited. Roaming the earth. <laughs> yeah, no, good. Well, anything else? We have, uh, you know, we're, we're running up on time. This was fantastic discussion. Um, you know, I'm so glad we got to capture this. You know, we did this last year. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know what you think, Edie, but I don't think we went this deep, to be honest. Oh, this is great. This, yeah. this was awesome. Tina Marie yeah. and Holly and everybody who participated and, and it just added to this so much, so much more than last year's. Yep. Yeah. And now, and then last year's we were doing, we weren't recording yet. Um, so now this will be nice because people can go back and listen to all these acronyms until their heart is content <laughs> for all the organizations. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll get some of uh, these links uh, for sure in the chat. So I, I, yeah, thank you so much, Tina Marie, for coming yeah, on. Thank and, you and, thank uh, you. Yeah. Thanks for popping on Holly. This was yes, uh, great. And Edie, thank train. you for yeah setting this up. And, uh, you know, uh, shout out April 26th. If you're not doing anything at 1 p.m. Eastern, come here. Uh, we're going to do a spring oncology conference review. So, and Shelly is helping to organize that. Uh, it should be, um, yeah, really, really fun. We'll, we'll cover the hot topics going on in oncology that have been presented some of these uh, spring conferences that we've been going to over the last few months, some of us. So, well, great. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank Until you. Until next Thank you. time.